I'm going to invite John up now. We're going to do a spotlight. So if you don't know, we've been uh, helping with some of the giving that's gone towards John's ministry to help construct toilets in Fiji. And, uh, yeah, John's going to share a bit about how it's gone. And, yeah, thank you, John. Thank you. Dave, will you put that first slide up, please? I did give this talk with Denise some years ago when we were in the uh, school. Uh, things have moved on quite a lot, and since that time, um, we've raised quite a lot of money for Fiji. But uh, when I was about 40, I went with to uh, Youth in a Mission up at... Um, <laughs> top of, I forget where it was now. That's right, Norton Summit. <laughs> and my daughter was there, and that's where she met her husband. And I was sitting in a room, oh, probably a quarter the size of this, sitting at the back of this, you know, I'm, I really wasn't a Christian at that time, and I'm just uh, sort of hiding a bit. And this guy was prophesying, and he looked at me right at the back, and he said, you're a businessman. And I thought, oh, Yeah. He said, you're going to be involved in raising money for people in, that's a lot worse off than we are, right? Okay, fine. I took it as pieces and pinches out. Maybe, maybe not, because I was new to the Lord at that time. Anyway, since then, Fiji's probably $65,000 we've raised. That's for the toilets. But I just quickly want to show you where, the, where this is, because it is a remote island. It's not the normal holiday resort, there's no bars, there's no swimming pools, you go into the sea, all right? <laughs> right. So if you follow the map up, to, it says Yusawa Islands, and then it says Sawilau. And just in, there's two little dots there, and the bottom of Yusawa Island, which runs right up, that's where the village of Nambakera is, and that's where you people very graciously give me some money for some toilets that we in the process of finishing, okay? So, it takes a long time. You fly into Nandi, can take 12 hours on a native boat to get there. I used to go by seaplane, and that was okay, it was $200, and now it's about $800, so I'll go on the ferry. But it just gives you an idea, and where it's says Sari Lao, that area, that is sea, of course. And that's called Bly Water, and that's where Captain Bly sailed through when he got attacked by Fijians and we, uh, on a war canoe, and they were cannibals at that time. And the very top of that island is where they came out. So that was when Bly put up the sail and the guys rode like you wouldn't believe, all right? <laughs> uh, it's quite a bit of history there. So I'll just get my a few notes. I told you about God's promise at Waiwam, but Nambakeru is a remote village, and I've shown you the slide there. We had the opportunity to stay in that village because we went on holiday 40 years ago. We wanted to see the resorts, and we wanted to see how Fijians live. And believe me, I know how Fijians live, okay? Um, so... We helped during the time before the toilets. We helped with lots of other projects over there, and that's where a lot of the money went to. But at the moment, we've been concentrating on the toilets. And what's happened too, as you all know, we've all had price rises and everything here. But I reckon the prices for the better blocks and materials has gone up about forty percent over there. So we have to get the materials. 
from Latoka, which is 30 kilometers north of Nandi, and they go out on a government boat up to the island. I'll just give you a checklist, all right? <laughs> uh, during the time we'd been going there, my wife, Denise, was a qualified nurse anyway, and she did lots of nursing things, helped people there with some horrific things that I wouldn't even put a photograph up on some of those things and I wouldn't really talk about it. But believe me, she's done a lot of work and delivered a baby there, all right? I also, now, I would like to thank you guys personally for the money you helped with the last toilets. So what's happening with the toilets now, the intention was to build nine. And in the first instance, one guy was saying, no, we need to do a toilet block so that the, for the, for the, in one spot for the whole village. And I said, no. So what we'd finished up doing is each individual family in that village is getting a toilet. We've got the, the goal originally was to do nine. Unfortunately, um, the, um, the, we're now down to seven. And basically because we don't need to do the last two because two of the new toilets that we built, the people in them, when we were there last, not this time, time before, Paulina, who was our next door neighbor, she died. She'd just had a new toilet. Abraham, and I know these people when I was 40 years old when I first went there, okay, so we go back a long way. He died. So I remember when we were we were laying the foundations for his toilet and we were sitting outside at night and he had a big bench we all sat around and he said to me John he said nobody's ever done for me what you've done he was so thrilled because we were just laying the foundations for his toilet and he was saying I'll better go out there and press a button and flush that water down the toilet all right the, the beautiful thing about these, they are of flush toilets for each family. Prior to that, they all had drop boxes. You all know what drop boxes are, right? But the ladies, they used to do their uh, dishwashing and they put the w dishes out on a shelf outside to dry instead of drying them like we do. Because guess, guess what happens? A fly, they land on the dishes. They've only just come out the drop boxes, all right? So that spreads disease. So by doing these toilets as we are now, and they've got a shower inside and a wash, you know, a shower rose and a wash basin, build a better block. And the thing about them is that they are cyclone proof. We taught them how to do it. Um, Dave, can you stick up one of the toilets? Thank you. See, they're only a basic better block. But that's when we're building one. Um, but they've got a little shower inside. And that's doing away. It's a septic. You, you get away from the drop boxes and the flies, of course. So now we, we're doing the seven, as I said, because we've uh, lost two people, unfortunately. So can you to the next slide, Dave? Yeah. So this one was Carly's house. Carly and Pauline I've known ever since I was 40 years old. And uh, 
Pauline had died, so now other, and Carly went to Latoka, so other people will use that toilet. So that's why I don't have to do nine, because the two that's dead drops me back to seven. Uh, next one, Dave, thanks. Yeah, it's the other side, next one. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the one we were building for Abraham when he was crying, when he said nobody's ever done any, what I've done for anybody like, like him. So you can see that they're just the basic, the best of block. Find some, some have rendered, some they don't. Doesn't matter, inside's the same. They, uh, they're building your house. Uh, any more, Dave? That was the last one, was it? I can't remember, mate. So, oh, that was the foot. Yeah, yeah. There's the drop box. So you can imagine the flies. There's no door on it. And uh, landing on the crockery that the ladies have just washed outside. And that was what spurred me on because that spreads so much disease, right? And uh, I know when, when we were there, when Denise was with me every day, knock on the door. Three or four people wanting Denise. Because we used to take a lot of medi medications. And our chemist gives us a lot of stuff. When we were over there um, in June, the chemist gave me how many, how many, six, six uh, tubes of um, <laughs> scabies cream, that's right, because they do get a lot of scabies over there. And these, she said, and this is the one at Blackwood, and she said to me, John, she said, what do you want, you know, and we told her. And she said, oh, I'll get you some scabies cream. She got six tubes. Cost them $35 each at wholesale price. And they've been supporting us with, when we're ready to go, we'll walk around the shop and she'll say, what do you want? And these people are Vietnamese and they support an orphanage in Vietnam too. Beautiful people. Right. I just get my, make sure I've finished it. It's all right, Sam, not too far. <laughs> uh, I told you that the, the prices are going up by about 40%. I've explained the flies, the gold, and the, and the gold. Um, um, 65, oh, that's about it, really. That's what's happening. And, uh, but it, it is a remote village. It's not easy to get there. It's getting easier as time goes by. If anybody would like to ask me any questions, because I know we're short on time, I would uh, be happy to answer them after the service, all right? Thanks, Sam. Just stay up, because I'd, I'd love to pray, pray for you and Denise. Um, John, John said someone came to you when you were 40 and gave you a word, and that enabled you, and, and all of this has come out about that. And I just, I, when you said that, you know what? God can call you guys. Uh, God can give you a word and it can completely transform your direction and your calling and you can be involved in something that is way beyond what you could even believe or imagine. And so, so just remember that. But we just want to pray for, for John. You got, you said you got one more trip you're planning to do. Yeah, well, depends how, if I can. Depends if you're I'll, up to I'll, it. I'll probably be 82. But <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Now, well, we, uh, I would like to do another trip. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Lord, we, we thank you for, for John and Denise. Lord, thank you for the heart they have for the Fijian people. We will just pray for, for that village right now. Uh, Lord, we just pray for health. Uh, we pray for, for, for their, the witness of John and Denise to be uh, the transforming agent that you would use to, to let them know about your love for them. And Lord, for John and Denise, we just pray uh, that you continue to work in their lives and uh, as they uh, decide whether to go again or not, uh, Lord, that you'd be in that moment and that you'd be in that decision. But Lord, we just thank you and praise you. Lord, we give you honour for that man that, that, that called John out 40 years ago and we give you thanks for that because out of that has come, come great things. And uh, Lord, we just pray your blessing on John and Denise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's hard to know how to follow on a time of worship like that. But um, some of you may recall that at the start of the COVID pandemic, um, I shared with the congregation the Lord had put on my heart for him, great is thy faithfulness. And we actually watched a video of a hymn a beautiful rendition from Litchfield Cathedral. Uh, This last week, the Lord's really had this hymn on my mind, and I just feel that we need to reflect on the faithfulness of God when we're bombarded in the media day after day by horrors from what's happening in the Middle East to Ukraine to Afghanistan, when we look at our own nation and see it slipping further and further away from our Christian heritage into areas that just seem so horrible, it's sometimes easy to forget or overlook the faithfulness of God. Um, The hymn, Greatest Thy Faithfulness, was written by a guy called Thomas Chisholm. He was a very ordinary person, and the hymn had a very ordinary start Thomas was born in 1866 in a log cabin in Kentucky. He was uneducated but went on to become a school teacher and editor of a paper. In 1893, he became a Christian and uh, he went into ministry and became a Methodist pastor. Unfortunately, due to ill health, he had to give up his full-time ministry and take on a whole range of casual work, just to try and uh, look after his family. It was a time of real difficulty, and at that time he wrote these words. My income has not been large at any time due to impaired health in earlier years, which has followed me on until now. Although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. By the time he stopped work at age 86, he had written and published more than 800 poems. He died in 1960. In 1923, Thomas penned the words of the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and a friend put it to music. The hymn reminds us that God doesn't only work in dramatic and miraculous ways, but also in simple everyday ways. The words are based on Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. 
that reads, This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's belief that Jeremiah wrote these words in 586 BC when the Babylonians were sacking Jerusalem. Jeremiah would have witnessed the destruction of Solomon's beautiful temple and the sacking of the whole town. He would have seen men and women and children carried away into captivity in Babylon. Sadly, we're still seeing those sort of things happening today. This morning for our time of corporate prayer, I'd like us to reflect on the Lord's faithfulness and provision as we simply pray the words of Thomas's hymn written a hundred years ago. As we pray, I invite you to bring to mind your experiences of the Lord's faithfulness and provision and to bring to him situations that concern you, whether on the global scene in your family or in your circle of friends. Let's pray. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine only presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen. We sang that last week. Kathy uh, felt called to, to sing that hymn, and it's beautiful that that's uh, sort of all been rounded up together. Good morning, church. The last couple of weeks we've had all the kids in and now, now that the kids are all gone out, <laughs> it feels a bit different. That's all good. Uh, and welcome if you're online, if you're watching this, uh, perhaps you're tuning in for the first time. My name's Sam Barnes, I'm the pastor here. It's a joy to come before you and to share uh, what the Lord's put on my heart for this morning. Uh, but first of all, I just wanted to um, reiterate the word that Nadine said, Jesus is calling and I really believe that that's true, that the Lord is calling each and every one of us in this new season that he's doing amongst us. He's calling us to participate in his work in, in, in the church, to be, be led by his spirit, uh, to 
be that change that Dan was talking about from the very outset. It's, you know, we're, we're not just here to go through the motions, but he's calling us. And he's calling us to follow him. He's calling us to be transformed. He's calling us to partner with him and to, to be about a new thing. God's always doing new things. And so I just want to pray from the outset this morning that, Lord, thank you that you are calling each and every one of us. And uh, Lord, as we now just dwell on your word and uh, listen to your, your word speak over us, Lord, would we have receptive hearts and minds to your call uh, as we, we long to follow you, we long to, to be like you and be changed to be like you. And so, Lord, we just acknowledge that, that you are the Lord of this church, that you speak, and Holy Spirit, that you'd have your way amongst us this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are having, uh, we're doing a sermon series called In His Words. And the point of that was that we want to really look at what Jesus said as he, as he led and he taught his disciples. And as we are followers of Christ, as we're wanting to live out our lives uh, following him, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean to be a Christian? By actually listening to the words that Jesus taught uh, when he was on earth. And this morning we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And um, it's... It's not an easy subject, let's be honest. Um, when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness is something that's potentially easy when it's maybe a small matter or it's someone who is maybe a, an associate or someone not close to us. But when, when someone who is close to us betrays us or does something to us that is big and substantial, it's, it's the, a very human nature to sort of stand back for trust to be lost. Forgiveness is hard. Yet Jesus spoke a lot about forgiveness. In fact, the whole gospel is focused around the concept of Christ's forgiveness for us and how we should then forgive others. It's not an easy thing. In fact, C.S. Lewis famously said, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. (laughs) So true. Uh, so Jesus, Jesus speaks a lot in, in the Gospels, in, in the Lord's Prayer. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's, it's in the Lord's Prayer. And in Mark chapter 11, Jesus says, When you stand praying, if you hold any against, anything against every, anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. It's kind of like, as you're going about your day, as soon as something comes to mind, forgive them. Like as, as, at an, as an instant thing so that you can go about, don't, don't sort of plan it and, 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 and whatever. But no, it's this, this kind of thing that just comes to us. But sometimes this thought can make, make you think, well, forgiveness is, is avoiding or is just something that I do over here and, and doesn't have anything to do, do with the person. If I just, just forgive them, okay, that's, that's all done. Uh, in other places, it says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. It's kind of there's this a command nature in what Jesus is saying about forgiveness. It's not just an idea. It's not just do it if it's good for you. Uh, it's not just it's, it's the right thing to do. The, you know, the pastor told me that I should. Um, th- there's actually this 
command part of Jesus's teaching. And, and if you can see that there, it's not, as I said before, about just about you, but it's about the other person. And I think very, very often, particularly in the world, when uh, forgiveness is talked about, uh, it's talked about about for you, and it's, and it's all what, what can happen for you and what's good for you, and doesn't really involve the other, the other person. But biblical, biblical forgiveness, the forgiveness that Jesus talks about, uh, is about the restoring of relationships. It is about the church having unity. It is about what's being good for you and good for the other person and good for the world. See, Jesus knows what's good for us. He made us. He knows how we think. He knows how we act. He knows what's in our hearts. And he understands that the unforgiving heart, if we allow bitterness and things to be, be there and to take hold, what an awful thing can, can come from that. And so Jesus is saying we've got to be quick to forgive. It's got to be a mindset that we take hold of. It's got to be something that becomes part of our discipleship nature and walk. So that's what Jesus talks about when he says that we need to forgive one another. But before we get into more of that, what is not forgiveness? Is that a grammatically correct sentence? What is not forgiveness? What, what isn't it? Forgiveness isn't just being a nice Christian. It's not just going, well, you know, that person, they've done that, yeah, but, you know, we should forgive, and then they do it again, and, well, we should forgive, and then they do it again, and just being uh, uh, rolled over. It is not what some people call therapeutic forgiveness, uh, which is something we see kind of in, in the world uh, without the understanding of, of Christ being part of it, is that, well, you know, you've gone through this this situation uh, these, these things have happened and it's, it's been a, a, a terrible thing. Uh, in order for you to move on, in order for you to get better, you need to forgive in order for, and now, now there is some truth to that. But, it, but as I said before, the, this therapeutic idea of forgiveness is, well, I don't need to confront the other person or there doesn't need to be any justice. I just need to do this thing about me and my interior. Forgiveness is not a contractual thing. Well, I'm going to forgive if, or if they grovel enough, if they, they, they say that they're sorry enough, if, if I feel like they've gone through more pain than I've gone through because of the situation, then I'll forgive them. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not sweeping it under the carpet. It's a, the, these things happen to us and they're real and, they're, and they affect our lives. And the Lord often wants to use them to grow us and to grow other people. So we can't just forget. But the opposite is true, that we don't just bring it up again and 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 talk to this person about that issue and talk to that person about that issue and then behind their back talk again and again and again and again and again. And lastly, forgiveness is not fair. Forgiveness is not fair. As a parent, um, I hear those words a lot. It's not fair. (laughs) And as you're parenting a child about how much 
food they got compared to another person. It's like, yes, that's not fair. (laughs) That's the reality of life. There are lots of things in life that are just not fair. But forgiveness is not fair. If we think about the way that the Lord has forgiven us, the way that his mercy has been shown to us, his, his forgiveness granted when we don't deserve it, that is something that is not fair. And yet, when it comes to situations in our lives, we like to want to make it fair. <laughs> or we want to say, well, you know, the Lord has asked me to extend mercy and forgiveness to this person. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. But then when we do it, we ask for forgiveness and expect that, <laughs> that mercy and forgiveness this way. There's this kind of like, well, I want to give it, but I don't want to receive it. But it's, it's not fair. So the, the text that I want to look at this morning is Jesus' teaching uh, in Matthew 18. And what's really important when we, we understand where this parable takes place in the teachings is that Jesus is just talking about conflict resolution uh, in Matthew chapter 18. And if, if you don't understand the steps that Jesus talks about when he talks about conflict resolution, then I, I suggest that you read it. And it's some good advice about actually going to the person, not just talking behind their back, and actually seeking out reconciliation. And if that can't happen, then to bring a couple of witnesses, to bring new light and to shed light on the situation. And, and if there's still some, some conflict resolution going on, then we bring it to the church and or to church leadership. And so in that context where... Jesus is, is talking about how we forgive one another, how we extend mercy, how we look for restoration in relationships. Jesus talks about this parable. And there's kind of a, uh, a, a vertical, uh, a horizontal relationship thing between one another, but also a vertical. In fact, I'd like to suggest if, if you don't, know Jesus and you don't know the forgiveness that he has shown on us, then forgiveness itself is actually a very hard thing without the power that comes from uh, knowing that you yourself are forgiven. So he tells this parable. Peter comes up to him after he's just talked about conflict resolution. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, now you know that when a sentence starts like that, it's going to be good, right? When Peter came and asked, (laughs) good old Peter, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? And there's Andrew there going, what are you talking about, mate? Because Andrew is his brother. Okay. Um, My brother, talking about, or, or sister, you know, person in the church who sins against me. And he says, up to seven times? Now, the rabbis of the time had a teaching that three times was enough to be able to forgive someone. So, so Peter's kind of coming up and going, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? And like, oh, look at me. Aren't, aren't, aren't I super special and super spiritual? You know, I've doubled it and I've given one for good measure here, Jesus. And, and Jesus then turns to Peter and says, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times 7. Now, before you all 
get your calculators out and go, okay, so obviously 490 times I need to forgive my brother. Jesus isn't asking for an actual number. He's, he's actually saying we shouldn't keep records. In fact, it says that in Corinthians, love doesn't keep record of wrongs. So it's not keeping a tally. Jesus is using hyperbole here. He's actually giving a, 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 an amount that's so large that we can't keep count on on purpose because he's making the point that we should completely forgive and always forgive. It is part of life. It is what we should always do. In fact, if anyone's into to numbers in the Bible, we know that, that seven is the number of completeness and uh, ten is a number that uh, represents um, our responsibility, if you like, um, or our doing. So Ten Commandments is a good example of that. So there's, there's seven lots of complete our doing to be done perfectly. That's how we should forgive. It, 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 however, it's in our nature and our, our ability to do completely and perfectly, we should always forgive. That's what Jesus is saying. So he goes on to tell this story. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now to to understand the amount that Jesus is talking about here when he says 10,000 talents, um, a, a, a talent was probably a normal person's uh, wage of 20 years. So if you think about your normal wage of, of 20 years, times that by 10,000, and that would be the amount. Another example of, of how large this amount is, is the entire re- revenue of the area of Galilee for a whole year. This is ev- everyone's income. The whole revenue for all of Galilee was 300 talents a year. And Jesus is saying there's a man who has 10,000 talents. Now, obviously, this is a large amount, and this is an amount that would be in billions and billions of dollars in today's money. Jesus purposely says that there's this large amount that is obviously unable to be paid back. That's the whole point. The, the, The amount is so extreme and so large that it, it, it would be unable for a person, even with a payment plan or to come up with an investment idea, to actually ever be able to pay that amount back. Yet, the, the, the man says since he was not able to pay the master, he ordered that he, be, he and his wife and his children be sold to pay the debt. So that's the extent the, of how big this thing is. It's not just him, but his wife and his children have to be... Be, be sold to pay this debt back. But at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. <laughs> what, a, what a crazy response. As if he could. And that's the whole point. Do you know, often in parables, um, we, we, we take sides with characters and, and we sort of point fingers at the baddies and the, and the goodies when we, when we read it, right? The thing about this parable is we are that servant. And if we're pointing our finger at the servant, then we've got to point the finger straight back at us. See, we have a debt that we are unable to pay, that no amount of 
of religion or working or payment plans or praying or serving is ever going to pay back. We have a debt that is so large that it's insurmountable. And yet the king, Jesus, has forgiven us of that debt, even though we didn't deserve it, even though that's not fair. And that's what happens in this story. At this, the servant fell on his knees. Be patient with me. I'll pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and he cancelled the debt and he let him go. This is what we understand about forgiveness. It says in Psalms, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. That is our loving God who has forgiven us of this debt. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, again, we kind of don't understand the value of that. That would probably be a couple of months' wages. So contrasting the, the amounts that are, that are owed. Now, with a payment plan or, you know, some good investment, that could be paid back. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. It's the same response that he gave the king. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison so that he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the king called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours that you could not even possibly pay because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus says this statement at the end. This is how... My heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. This is a big thing. It's a hard thing. But this is a big thing when Jesus says we need to forgive one another from the heart or Jesus or our Father will treat us in the same way. Now, there's, there's some things we've got to unpack there. First of all, this man is said, he said, and I will pay back everything. Now, this is kind of like a religious response, that we feel like we can earn our favour with God, that we can, we, can, we can do something in order to, to, to pay that debt back. But God is, is the one who is gracious and compassionate and he is the one that, that gives us that us mercy. But the man ends up in prison as a result of his unforgiving heart. And this is what happens to you and I when we allow bitterness and resentment and anger to take hold. We actually end up in a prison of our own doing a prison of unforgiveness. 
where we are tortured and we uh, have this, this thing going on and on and on in us. You see, we should let go of this bitterness in our heart for our own sake. Um, Carrie Fisher once famously said, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And it's kind of what, what happens is if we allow this resentment and bitterness to take hold and we're kind of wanting something to, to happen, but the, the, the thing is happening to us. And forgiveness is about something happening in us in order for God to do a work in us. I love a band called Reliant K and they had this song and they've got this line in it. It said, I tried to move you, but you wouldn't budge. I tried to hold your hand, but you'd rather hold your grudge. I think that's a pretty powerful line. And as I was thinking about this and about this servant who ended up in this, this prison cell of his own doing, that's what, that's what bitterness and resentment and holding a grudge can do to us. And it's, I feel like for many of us, we're holding on to things in our lives. We're holding on to hurt. We're holding on to pain. We're holding on to grudges. And, and yes, it's hard. But as, as our hands hold these things, because we're holding on to them, our hands aren't free to reach out and to take the, hold the hand of the, the person alongside of us, to reach out and go to the person. You know, Jesus, when, when we talked about forgiveness, we say, well, how can you have mercy and, and justice? Like, can, can justice be done and forgiveness be done? We just have to look at the cross and say yes. Because on the cross, great mercy was shown us, yet justice was satisfied. And it's the same with forgiveness, is, is that as we forgive someone, it's done in order so that that person might be put right, that that person might be made aware of maybe their wrongdoings that they didn't even know happened. Now, a situation happened to me recently where someone in our church wanted to see me and they said, do you know that when you act this way and you do this, this is the result and, and people are hurt? And I said, what? I had no idea, and and it hurt me (laughs) to to know that my actions had caused pain and and hurt. Now, that person followed the example of Jesus and came to me and said it, and I asked for forgiveness, and forgiveness was granted, and I was changed, and I was restored because justice had to, had to be done in order for me to, to, to see that in myself. So the, the first thing is, are we holding on to bitterness? Can I ask you a question this morning? As you think about your life and as I've been talking, you've probably been made aware of situations that are painful and hard. You've been made aware of situations of people where trust has been broken where betrayal has happened, where lies have come upon you. 
Are you holding on to that grudge? Can I say this morning, take it to the cross. Let go of that thing that you're holding on to. Allow that forgiveness to be able to then be free, to like Jesus on the cross, how he had his arms open wide, for you to then have your arms open wide for the restoration, for the gap to be restored. Because that's what forgiveness does, right? When we talk about the gospel, we say that, that our sin had caused a gap between us and God. There's this great chasm. And on the cross, Jesus forgave us the, the, the debt of our sin and that has brought us back into right relationship. That is what Jesus wants in our relationships. That is what Jesus wants in your situation, for the gap to be bridged, for there to be reconciliation, for there to be wholeness again. And finally, I think probably one of the most profound things in this story is where Jesus says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. And I was praying, I was like, Lord, what do you mean by that? Does, does God withhold his forgiveness if we don't forgive? Does, do we lose our salvation? Hey, what is going on there? And I felt like the Lord said this. He said, that servant was forgiven the biggest debt ever. Do you know you and I have been forgiven the biggest debt ever? And I don't think the servant understood that he had been forgiven. He did not have a repentant heart. He did not act in a way of a forgiven person. And because of that, he then reacted differently to, to the, the servant around him. When we understand how forgiven we are, then it is much easier to forgive. When we understand the debt that has been paid on that cross, then we are able to see that this person, the symptom of their sin is what has caused this thing to happen to us. But the condition of sin is the very thing that we ourselves have been saved from. The condition that caused them to, co- to make the offence is exactly what you yourself has been, have been forgiven of. And so we're in the same boat. And so when he says, Jesus says, a heavenly father will will forgive you if you forgive them, there's there's this understanding of, ah, I know I am forgiven, therefore I am able to forgive. Do you know that you're forgiven? Have you experienced God's forgiveness in your life? Timothy Keller wrote a book on forgiveness, and I want to do a quote from this. He says, If you believe in the gospel that you are saved by sheer grace and the free forgiveness of God and you still hold a grudge, at the very least it shows that you are blocking the actual effect of the gospel in your life or you're kidding yourself and perhaps you don't believe in the gospel at all. What Timothy's saying there is that have you experienced God's forgiveness? 
in your own life? Have you come to that repentant place and you've laid it all out and his love has been poured into your hearts and you for sure know, wow, God, you've forgiven me, a sinner. Because unless that happens, it's so hard to forgive others. I've shared this story before, but I felt it right to share this morning of my own experience. I had a denarii-sized offence in my life that I had done. (laughs) And I struggled over it. And I was in my, my early 20s and I'd sort of just coming to faith and understanding of the gospel. And I, I did this thing that I thought, how, how could I, I do that? You know, I'm wanting to follow Jesus and I'm wanting to do this new life in him. And I was in bed and I was struggling and I was praying. I was asking for forgiveness, but I was just wrestling with this thing that I'd done. And I felt like the Lord say, open up your Bible. And I was like, okay. I'll open up my Bible. What should I open it up to, Lord? He said, in the, in the Psalms. Okay, I'll open it up to the Psalms. Okay, Lord, what, what Psalm do you want me to read? And, I, and the, the clock said, oh, the clock said 11.32. And if you could look at the clock down here, it says 11.32. No way. <laughs> no way. Right. Seriously. <laughs> the The... It said 11.32, so I said, okay, Psalm 36. So I open up to Psalm 32. Wow. And it says this, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit there is no deceit. And I was just like, far out, Lord. And then it went on to say this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And I was like, this is me now. Like I'm reading this and and, and it's explaining my situation and what I'm feeling. And, And even though this is was a small thing and I kept reading and it said then I acknowledged my sin to you and you did not cover up my iniquity I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin and as I was reading that it was like the words literally jumped out of the page my heart jumped out of my chest I felt warm I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me And I experienced the Lord's forgiveness. And what was crazy about that situation was I kind of didn't even ask for it. I was I was I was struggling with this little situation that I'd been involved in, and yet the Lord forgave me the guilt of my sin, that debt that was unable to be paid, he wiped it clean. And I felt something that I'd never felt before. It was kind of a conversion moment where the Lord's forgiveness washed over me. 
Are you finding it hard to forgive? Are you finding something in you is holding you back from forgiveness? Can I suggest this morning that you remember how forgiven you are? And if you haven't received God's forgiveness, I reckon you should ask for it. Because that's going to be all the power you need to see the situation differently and to act like Jesus and to follow his command to reach out your hand and to restore that broken relationship. Can we stand? Can I invite the musos back up? Can I get everyone just to close their eyes for a moment? Um, this isn't this isn't going to be an altar call as such, but in our lives there is a lot of pain. There is a lot of resentment, bitterness, anger over situations that have happened. And as I've been speaking, I've been believing that when I've been talking about forgiveness, the Lord has been placing in your heart and in your minds situations, people, relationships, family members, organisations that have wronged you. And that has affected how you live. Dan said this morning, the Lord wants to transform us. He wants to do a new thing in us. Have you got a relationship, a situation that you can't let go of? that the Lord this morning is saying, you know what, it's like, it's like a rotten apple. From the outside it might look good, but when we, we hold on to it, this, this rot starts from the inside and it eats us up and it's doing damage. And Jesus is saying he wants you to let it go and he wants to give you the power to let it go this morning. And that power is going to come from you remembering how much he's forgiven you. Or perhaps for the first time, feeling and experiencing his forgiveness. So while everyone's got their eyes closed, if you have got a situation that you are longing for the Lord to resolve, to break through, can you just raise your hand? Thank you. Yeah. Lord, we thank you that you are here. Thank you, Lord, that at the cross you forgave us every sin. This debt that was unable to be paid, you paid it. 
you showed mercy and compassion on us, even when we didn't ask for it. Lord, how forgiven we are. And as a forgiven people, you call us to extend that forgiveness to others, to restore and to make whole again and complete so that we might live and be change agents in the world. And Lord, I just pray right now for each person who raised their hand, for each situation where where it's like they're, they're holding on to this weight. Lord, can they just bring it to you this morning and give it to you? Can they hand over this, this weight so that they would be free to extend an open hand of fellowship again, just as you did to us? Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would be doing a work in us right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just feel like we should just sing O Come to the Altar again. We had another song planned, but I just feel like the Lord wants to do something in our lives and in our midst this morning. Are you hurting and broken within? <laughs> Perhaps you're overwhelmed by the the realization of your own sin or or this situation that's that's been been brought to life again the lord wants to heal it the lord wants to bring restoration he wants to bring wholeness he wants to bring freedom to you in your life right now so as we sing and as we stand if you want to come forward and 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 have someone pray with you i encourage you to do so have the prayer team up the front if you want to stand where you are and say lord I want to experience that forgiveness again. Maybe it happened 20, 40, 50 years ago and you've forgotten what it's like to just come before him and just say, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Let's just ask the Lord to to minister to us now as we sing this last song and as we end our service together. here who the possibility of reconciliation with someone who's wronged you seems impossible and you want that to happen but you don't see how it could happen and I've sensed maybe the Lord wants to remind you that he is the perfect judge and you can trust him to bring judgment that is right and fair Um, and that you don't have to try and be in that position of judge over that person and to let that judgment be his and not yours. Um, 
if, if that is you, I just want to encourage you to share with someone and ask them to pray with you to allow that word to minister to your heart. Thank you, Kathy. That's a really good thought. And um, we're going to open up the prayer room for that type of talk if you need some privacy or you want to just share with someone. Um, yeah, forgiveness is a, it's complex, isn't it? It can be messy, but it uh, leads to healing. And um, thinking about my favourite singer, Keith Green, he talks about the calluses that build up on his heart. And he asks the Lord, renew my heart like put a baby skin on my heart Lord he says I want to have a baby skin on my heart um, we get old we get wrinkly but uh, there's a transformation that happens internally and um, forgiveness is often the um, sort of first step in that so yeah um, yeah we'll, we'll close it now but just to continue in that uh, thought as Kathy shared if you've got someone you want to talk to please uh, please reach out Thank you, team. Yeah, I'll just finish in prayer. Uh, Father, we uh, yeah, we can't really comprehend the debt that we we owe, but um, it's glorious that you have forgiven it, and uh, we continue to remember that, Lord, and just pray that you'll yeah bring us into that fullness of who you are, that relationship that's open to us through that forgiveness. Lord, we just are incredibly thankful. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you guys. Um, yeah, join us for a tea or coffee. And uh, yeah, as we said, we'll keep uh, keep this place open here for prayer and out in the prayer room too. Thank you. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open. Forgiveness was born.